Hello and welcome to another episode of SoFly. It's uh, the end of July. We're recording on location today. Um, actually, back at Tomogamy Outfitting Co. in the town of Tomogamy. My name is Mitch, and we've got Yelma on the show. Yelma, how's it going? Hey, folks. Um, today is another episode in a series of episodes that we've been doing to raise kind of awareness around our waters in Ontario and beyond um, and just talk about our need to protect them and understand our impact on them. Um, I think from climate change to increased recreation pressure to single-use plastics, we're understanding just how much we impact our environment. Um, and we're doing what we can, a SoFly crew, to sort of stimulate conversation and shine some light on the topic. Our guest today really doesn't need much of an introduction. Um, he's been uh, dedicating his life to understanding our relationship with nature and sometimes surviving within it. Les Stroud is a paddling outdoors survival legend known around the world. He's inspired so many of us to take, um, not take our nature for granted. And he's also a musician. He's playing a show tonight, actually, here in the town of Tomogamy, um, July 19th. Les, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah, It's thanks. really, really awesome to actually, have you Actually, I'm, I'm in my old stomping grounds, so, yeah. so um, I cannot tell you how many times I've been in this building, so yeah. Oh, yeah, no way. Yeah, because yeah, this building goes way back, yeah? Well, and it, and it, it, it changes around a lot, um, but uh, yeah, this and uh, Tomogamy itself it has, um, it's a morphing. It's a morphing thing as yeah. far as how Tomogamy looks. When I lived here... There were 850 people living here. I understand now that's down to less than 500, but yeah, it changes. Life changes. Yeah. So um, you've been writing and, and playing music for years now, but you're, you're playing a show tonight and you've been touring a lot more recently, eh? Um, so uh, I guess what's that been like? What's the, what's the touring process been like and the songwriting and playing music more frequently been like? Uh, well, actually, what I have is a project that I've been working on for 10 years. Um, I'll, I'll back up a bit. Through the course of doing Survivor Man and Beyond Survival and Survivor Man Bigfoot and filming you know, Shark Week and things like that. Yeah. Through the course of that, um, I kept writing music. I kept recording music. I uh, um, put out albums um, that, that were uh, you know, very much in the roots acoustic kind of vein, um, a little bit of roots rock. <clears throat> but there's always the side of me that is the rock sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um, more ambitious, you know, headier studio production, that kind of thing. Yeah. So over the years, I've been working on one single album called Mother Earth. And the album itself is dedicated to celebrating the earth. It's dedicated to um, the concept of getting people back outside to get to know the earth and the wilderness, to become in love with it, to then, uh, you know, seek to, well, get to know it, fall in love with it, and then seek to protect it. I always mm-hmm. think that that four-way strand is how things play out, but you got to get them out there first. Yeah. So uh, the album, rather than be one environmental song, like say a Dave Matthews or a Jack Johnson or, a, you know, Joni Mitchell uh, uh, might have done or, or will do, uh, the whole album's dedicated to this. In fact, I actually have a trilogy of albums um, dedicated to um, celebrating the earth. Yeah. And protecting the earth, but the Mother Earth version uh, is the is the big ambitious one that's taken me a long time to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this big preamble is all leading towards the fact that I'm releasing the first single starting August 16th okay. uh, of uh, 2019, and then uh, I'll release another two singles a month apart, and then the full album by November. So this is finally 10 years of work yeah. uh, is finally coming out. So I'm so yeah, I'm busy and I'm thrilled. That's amazing, man. Ten years going into into that project. What what have you found has been like? I mean, I think it's probably an obvious question, but is have you found nature to be an inspiration to the to the story? And and how have you found you know what you do outside of music to inspire the the album? Well, sh- yeah, absolutely. Is the short answer. Yeah. You know, it's in many ways the answer is how can it not? Yeah. You know, if you're a writer of any sorts or a creator, 
of any sorts and you like to put out, you know, those creative balls of energy, uh, mine happens to be in, say, writing a book or certainly in songwriting, and you're a nature nut, you know, one, I mean, sure, we can write about, you know, I, I always like to say, I'm over 50, you don't want to hear my love songs, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> uh, you know, facetiously, but I do love to let nature inspire me and inform all of the music that I write. And, and the fact that I took it to task to actually then focus on that, mm -hmm. you know, singular lyrical subject matter, um, it was great. It, it gave me, well, it gave me focus, mm -hmm. which I otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, I, I guess talking about nature and how it's inspired you, um, we talked I mean, just briefly about how you've been in this building before. Tomogamy's obviously had a giant impact on, on your life. Um, how, how and when did you first start coming to Tomogamy? Where, where does mm. the Tomogamy story begin for you? Tomogamy kicks it all off for me. It really, really does. Tomogamy's where uh, I changed as a human being you know, uh, found myself as, as, mm -hmm. as it were. Um, I was in my mid twenties and I was producing much music for, you know, for much music, yeah. much like, music Canada, yeah. much music was Canada's answer to MTV. Right. And much music, uh, started in 84, um, owned by, uh, Moses Namer, mm -hmm. part of the city TV conglomerate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's since been purchased or who owns it now. Probably right. it's been sold. But it was, yeah, this was our 24-hour music channel, you know, video, video, video. Yeah, and it was the sure. golden age, yeah. right? Of, don't tell me you were dancing on Electric Circus. Uh, no, I'm not okay. that old. Right. I don't go back that far. <laughs> uh, and it was, you know, it was cool, but uh, I mean, it was, it was also a, kind of a cheesy age. No, it was not a kind of a cheesy. It was a very, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, all those classic cheesy videos that you remember from the, the mid-80s. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was, I was putting them on air. Like I was actually deciding. Oh. I can digress for a second and say that it was a weird place to be at because in any day of the week I was an associate producer, I decided what Canada watched. Yeah. Me oh, wow. alone. Yeah. Now, sure, I had my 12 spaces that I had to fill with what we called high rotation. So in right. goes Springsteen, you know. Yeah. In goes money for nothing. You know, in goes the, can I swear a little bit? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. In goes goddamn Thompson twins, uh, you know, and we had to, you know, but other than the high rotation, yeah. it was, it was 25 empty places on the, on the sheet of paper that Les Stroud yeah. decided what went in. It was very cool. That's you know? power, man. Yeah, it was a is. real power. Yeah, and that's I used trust. To, yeah. And I used to do, uh, and back then we were seeing, you know, a hundred to 200, uh, maybe a hundred new videos uh, per week, maybe even less than that. Now they have every, I, I was told last time, it's, like, it's a couple of thousand, at least for a while there when it was big, they'd get a couple of thousand videos they had to see mm -hmm. per week to decide what goes on air. So different era completely. So anyway, there I was yeah. producing much music and I was also very much trying to be a rock star. You know, I wanted to be Neil Young. I wanted to be Led Zeppelin. I wanted to, you know, be Peter Gabriel. I wanted to be this dude writing, writing tunes and mm -hmm. performing and all but um, without going too deep into the, the personal side of it, the reality was I did not have the personal mentorship mo uh, to know how to do that properly. There really, singularly, was, was never anybody in my life that ever gave me advice, mm -hmm. ever. Not my, my, my mother, not my father, not an uncle, not a teacher, nobody. Mm -hmm. So when I was sitting there and, 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 and BMG Music is saying, we love your material, because maybe I sent them in a cassette tape, and we'd like to shop it down to Bruce Springsteen. You know, instead of giving them 25 new songs, I went and played hockey. Mm -hmm. No self-discipline, right. no mentorship, no knowledge of what I should have been doing. So I kind of blew that. That's the only thing in my life I've ever 
you know, said that, you know, I blew that. I failed at that. I, I've done 150 initiatives that have never worked out, but I didn't fail at them. Mm -hmm. They were tries and for whatever reason they didn't happen. But this one I failed at because I could have and I didn't. So uh, I became disillusioned with uh, the music industry. Um, but I also became disillusioned. <laughs> People hate me for this part. <clears throat> I became disillusioned because of the music that was being produced in the mid 80s. Right. I mean, I freaking hated Thompson Twins and Spandau yeah. Ballet and Depeche Mode and Pet Shop. But sorry, everybody favorite. who loved no. the 80s. I, no, I can I, actually agree with you more. Oh, it was, I can't stand that decade too. Like oh those, God. those main top, you know, the, the mainstream music coming Cindy out of that Lopper, period. Yeah. Oh, man. It was all, and then the synth yeah. drive. I mean, there were, you know, bands like Duran Duran were making it and they'd never even seen a stage. Right. And I love performance. I always grew up loving performance. Yeah. So so when I'm seeing people become megastars who've never even performed live, I, I was disgusted, you know? Yeah. And even the guys who I really enjoyed and loved, like the Peter Gabriels and the Phil Collins, had gone a bit soft in the mid-80s, you know? They yeah. got, I mean, not. That, I mean, Peter's always been kind of cool, but um, <laughs> and the Kate Bush combination thing was awesome. But So there, it's not that there weren't shining, shining sure, you know, sure. moments um, in that era with some awesome music, U2. You know, there was, <clears throat> but uh, the, I was, uh, again, I was producing much music. So, tw so every day for nine to eight to nine hours, you know, I'm watching, yeah. you know, Depeche Mode yeah. and I'm just getting, <laughs> so, and then the, and so maybe you'd have a different view if, if you weren't working so closely with those songs every five minutes. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, because you know, the, then the prevailing thought was rock is dinosaur, rock is dead. And, you know, sure, yeah. you know, yeah. this is the, well, and one more digression there is that what I didn't know at the time that was going to happen, I didn't foresee uh, when rock would be reborn in the grunge era, which in the end, that's all Nirvana and Pearl Jam are playing as rock and roll. You really listen to Mike McCready do a guitar solo. He's doing Freebird. Yeah. You know, so they're just doing rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Soundgarden, I mean, yeah. Sound yeah. all of that. Right. Yeah. I didn't foresee that. Yeah. All I saw was hair metal. Yeah. And Cyndi Lauper. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Less is after 10 years of wanting to be a rock star, less is checking out. Yeah. Yeah. So then I stood there in a midlife crisis as a young man, a mm -hmm. uh, young man's crisis. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up adoring Jacques Cousteau and Tarzan movies. And I, I had a cottage in Bracebridge, Ontario and fishing with my dad. So I thought, okay, the wilderness. I didn't even know what that meant. But in my brain, mm -hmm. I saw the words, the wilderness. And uh, I took a survival, I saw a little survival course in the, in the back ads of a newspaper, the Toronto Sun. And there oh, was, wow. you know, Humber College, wilderness survival courses, learn edible wild plants, build shelters. I was like, whoa, that sounds like me. <laughs> well, the first class I ever took, man, I was like, I was like a kid again. Yeah. I like fell in love. I'm sitting in a shelter and my boots are sticking out in the rain and mosquitoes are buzzing all around me. I'm like, yeah. I love this. Yeah, <laughs> this adventure. So, so now getting to this long way around, but you can't just ask no, no. about something that changed my life without getting the background. So, yeah. so in the process of do, doing that and learning survival, I discovered this thing that apparently people do called canoeing. Yeah. <laughs> and this thing that apparently people do called hiking and sea kayaking and, and, and wilderness trekking. Yeah. You know? And uh, I remember, uh, I mean, even a guy who ended up becoming my, uh, essentially a hero of mine and a guy who I patterned a lot of my filmmaking after, you know, the teacher walked in one day and said, did you hear, this might've been my first survival class, said, did you hear that, uh, that Bill Mason died? And I said, who's Bill Mason? And now anybody who's older than 40 
in Canada and loves canoeing would gasp at that right now. Mm. But I didn't, what do I know? I was trying to be Neil Young, yeah. you know? So uh, I then, uh, anybody who talked about wilderness anything, my ears perked up. Mm. Buddy of mine was a camp counselor type guy. Yeah. He did, uh, he did, um, what do you do? He did, uh, uh, what's it called? Like when you, when, when, um, uh, not disadvantaged, but people on the edge of potentially going to jail, uh, at risk. At right. risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. risk. So yeah. he would take at yeah. risk youth out and do canoe trips mm -hmm. yeah. with Cedar Strip canvas canoes and Duluth, you know, canvas packs. And, yeah. Oh, that's birch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he would take them out uh, into places like Tomorrow. And we, we became friends and he said, Hey man, we're doing a canoe trip. You want to come? I'm like, do I want, like to me, yeah, it's like, yeah. like, might as well ask me, do I want to go climb in the Himalayas or go to the Amazon jungle? I'm like, yeah. 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 Never been north of Bracebridge. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so he and I, uh, well, a bunch of us, there's, I guess, eight of us. Uh, I met him. I came up to Tomogamy, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, track pants, grab <laughs> Kodiak construction boots, you know, yeah. uh, ripped arms off my sweatshirt. Yeah. You know, still looking, I was described once as looking like Sting with a degree in edible plants. Yeah, I could see that. You know, because <laughs> yeah. I was still half rock star, yeah, you know, yeah, wannabe, yeah. half uh, Tarzan wannabe, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. But I blended my sense of fashion uh, to the wilderness. I looked ridiculous, but I'm telling you, we paddled the Lady Evelyn River and we hiked Maple Mountain. And as I could have been on, you know, the greatest exploration adventure of all time, you know, pre Lewis and Clark and Jacques Cartier and all the voyageurs, as far as I was concerned, mm -hmm. you know, as far as this was like, Absolutely. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. this yeah. is canoeing. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. And to Mogami, uh, it just, it just went, you see what you've got up here. Here we are. Here I am, you know, yeah. And if you want to partake, and I never looked back. I took every canoeing course I could take. I became certified in all the levels of white water and flat water and yeah. emergency preparedness and first aid and river rescue and everything. Became an outdoor guide. And, um, and uh, the next fast forwarding I'll leave you with is that uh, uh, I ended up getting a position with the Tomogamy uh, Canoe Company. Oh, no way. Yeah. Down, which is defunct now. Yeah. And uh, as, as an outdoor guide. Wow. And eventually would run that place. Yeah. So picture me in Tomogamy for 10 years doing every inch yeah. by canoe. Just covering for it For the all. next, yeah. Unbelievable. I, I still, and, um, you know, I, 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 st I, was, I did a canoe trip here last year and I'm doing one here in, in a month. Um, I went a lot of years without doing any, but, uh, oh man, I paddled this tomogamy forwards and backwards. And the thing is, you know, it is the diamond of, of canoeing yeah. in, in, in Ontario, uh, in, uh, Canada. Yeah. Like, I know I'm rambling here, but uh, no, no, sorry. this is great. No, this is great. Yeah. If, if you look at, see, I have a, a place down in Southern Oregon in the United States right now. Right. Or as we, they say down there, Southern Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as a Canadian, Oregon, but it's Oregon, actually, yeah. they're right. It's Oregon. Oregon. And, um, and I realized recently we do a lot of backpacking yeah. and a lot of road cycling because that's what Oregon is built for. Right. If I wanted to canoe in Oregon, there's nowhere to go. Hmm. A couple of reservoirs, mm -hmm. you know, um, I did discover that there is a phenomenal couple of rivers there for whitewater paddlers and nobody uses a canoe. Wow. They only go down in raft 
and a yeah. couple of kayaks, yes. and that's it. You've, I'm, I'm going I'm to take a canoe. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. I'll be like, yeah, that's right. I'm the Canadian. I'm going to show you how this is done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, awesome. you, you, you gravitate towards, if, if you lived in the ocean, you become a surfer. Mm-hmm. And if you live in the mountains, you, mount, yeah. you climb mountains, and on, or you ski. On yeah. and on it goes. Well, Tamag- or, well Ontario? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Northern Quebec, northern Manitoba, to, you know, northeast Manitoba, mm-hmm. uh, and all of Ontario. Canoeing. It's the canoe mecca of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the canoe mecca of the world, Mm -hmm. um, tomogamy is is the center of Mm -hmm. it as far as I'm concerned. Well, don't get me wrong. Everybody who loves Algonquin is, oh, what about Algonquin Park? Okay, it's Algonquin Park, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, what about over here and over there? Yeah, it's great, (laughs) but you got to see tomogamy. It's like if if there was ever a place in in, in Ontario that epitomized perfect canoeing country, it's tomogamy, Ontario. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So when you first well, explored, I guess the rivers when you came here as a young man, like what was it? What was special about it that really stuck out to you? What 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 about Tomogamy makes it just such an amazing paddling place? Huh. Well, sadly, one of the things was the clarity of the water due to the acid rain coming out of Sudbury. Oh man! In those years, I mean, yeah. you you went to you could smell it in the Lady Evelyn in you know Franklin Falls and and Center Falls. You could smell, mm-hmm. uh, and the water was clear. You could see to the bottom. You can't anymore. Because it's healthy again, right? Mm-hmm. Right when they stopped all that, but yeah. at that time, mm-hmm. it was like I thought that was normal. Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is so freakishly beautiful. It was freakishly right. yeah. beautiful, <laughs> right? Yeah. Thankfully, it's you know. What was mother- that re- what was the result? Like, what was that a result of the acid rain? Was it a mining thing or? Uh, yeah, the the uh, the the big stacks, those big yeah, yeah. The big right, right, stacks, right. right? And then they yeah. then they I, I I don't know the technical details, but they imposed all the yeah. the limitations on it and stopped a lot of stuff, and yeah. and things have been clearing up. That's why that you know that whole dead zone mm-hmm. to the east uh, of Sudbury, yeah. uh, direct you know you could from the air it's stark. It's like yeah. oh my god. Well, it's all finally growing back. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, I don't know what they did, but they've done something. Yeah. Well, Tomogamy had that at the time. The waters were really uh, crystal clear. Now they're back to being the way they're supposed to be. Green, yeah. filled with growing things. Mm-hmm. Life, you know, yeah. Weed beds yeah. and all of, all, oh, all, yeah. all of that. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That's the sad comment. But the, the happy comment, I mean, really, I, I kind of answered it uh, just before this, is that it is, what stands out is that it, 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 there's nothing more classic about canoeing that, that you can't find in tomogamy. Mm-hmm. You know, it really it just, man, the portage roots mm-hmm. from the traditional indig- indigenous cultures, a lot of that, mm-hmm. the traditional roots. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the roots work, you know, I paddle up in Wabakimi in Northern Ontario, it's phenomenal as well, but the yeah. roots work differently there. Yeah. You're, you were, you're forced into certain ways of being up there with the longer river stretches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lakes are bigger and, and so, but here it's like if somebody said, hey, design for me canoeable country. Yeah. Kaboom, tomogamy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> More than anywhere else, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And is it because of the um the connectedness of all the rivers and the bodies of water? Is that is that the is that the thing that makes it a canoeable sort of region? Yeah. 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 And also the history to it, because the history has it that there are portages in the places you want there to be. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, you could run the gamut from having sand beaches to stay on. Yeah. To mm-hmm. rocky outpoints that are epic, mm-hmm. you know, we're not a mountainous region, and I think maybe that's part of it. If we were mountainous, that closes everything in, right? That's why mm-hmm. the, the canoeing in British Columbia is pretty, but it ain't it ain't tomogamy, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, because you can only go for so long, right? Yeah. Here, you can plan multiple journeys, multiple routes, uh, multiple directions, and essentially keep yourself going without even leaving the area for not for a summer for for years, right. yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah. I think that is different. If you yeah. go to northern Quebec, you know, you, you concentrate more on the Des Moines River. You concentrate more on these longer stretches of river. I'm, I'm probably going to do the Mountain River next year in the Northwest Territories. Oh, there nice. in the Arctic, you concentrate on these bigger, wider yeah. rivers that go forever. In BC, you're hemmed in by the mountains, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, and like I said earlier, in, in Oregon, well, most of the lakes are reservoirs. It's not the same. Yeah, it, yeah. Just like I said, I don't know. It's just like Tomogamy was built for canoeing. Yeah. And uh, so, on a, on a, on a, Different note, it, it's freaking me out that it's not as vibrant and active as it, it used to be. Now, you can say, well, what do you mean? What I mean is, here's what I mean. Here's a great way to put it. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, when we would paddle here, at 4.30, you picked up your pace. Why? Because it's, it's the 4.30 rush to the campsite. Yeah. It's the 4.30 rush to who's going to get that spot on yeah. that spot. point. Not that there aren't 20 amazing places to camp within yeah. a few miles or 10 or whatever. But you want that one. You pick, it's like, guys, just stop. We got we to move. Now, take your time. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be open. Mm -hmm. And do I think that's a good thing? If you're here paddling, it's freaking awesome. Yeah. Do I think it's a good thing in general? It's horror. It scares the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. um, no, I want people here. Mm -hmm. People should be here paddling. The f and listen, the four o'clock rush is not a bad thing. There's a, so many other amazing oh, yeah. campsites that you didn't even know about. Yeah. So look at your map and go, oh, mm -hmm. all right, that one's taken. We'll go to the other one. You get to that one and go, oh my God. This Find one has a sand beach. Didn't know that. You know, this yeah, is yeah. even better. So uh, I, I'm a very... We're, 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 I'm tangenting here, but, but uh, I was a purist once upon a time. Like, let's set apart areas that nobody can ever touch and just the wolves will live there. And, yeah. But what happens is if nobody ever goes there, that's kind of, uh, this is all segue to what's going on here, but mm -hmm. if nobody ever goes, then nobody falls in love with it. Then someday those nobodies are sitting on a, on a, on a board somewhere mm -hmm. deciding whether or not it should be logged. Well, they've never seen it. So yeah, let's log it. Let's mine it. Let's yeah. put a road through. But if they've been there, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we talking about doing here? Well, we're talking about cutting down the north sector. You know, I, I fished that sector for years. I hiked that sector for years. I canoed that. No, no, no. Let's have a proper discussion about this. So, you, so this is what I mean by the fact that um, it scares me when, that people aren't here. Mm -hmm. But if you are a wilderness lover and an adventure lover and a paddler and you want, you want to go somewhere, I'm saying get in your car, mm -hmm. strap on your canoe yeah. or come here and rent one. Everything's here. And get to Tomogamy. It's 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 pure canoeing gold, yeah. Yeah. hands down. Yeah, and I know what I'm talking about. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> that may, might be a nice segue to get. Uh, Eric, do you want to join us? Sure. Come on down, man. Bring a chair. Yeah. The, oh. two, the two best talkers that I know. <laughs> yeah. Pro appropriately with a Tomogamy shirt on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Good to see you, Eric. Good to see you too. How are you? Good. That's How's it. that? Does it work? Yeah, that's cool. Oh. Yeah. So um, sexy voice. I'll go. All, I'll go all low voice. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I think, uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about threats that have faced tomogamy in the past. Like, what are some past threats that have, that have happened to tomogamy? I mean, has there been examples of, you know, um, industry or communities trying to do probably, you know, negative things to landscape in tomogamy? Well, I think, you know, Les will know more about this than I do. But uh, I, I, in the early 70s with Maple Mountain, putting a ski resort there was sort of a ridiculous yeah. notion. And, and that, that sort of started a lot of the environmental awareness yeah. Uh, up here. And then, of course, the famous Red Squirrel Road blockade in the late 80s, you know, raised a lot of awareness about the area. People like Bob Ray were arrested and yeah. chaining themselves to trees and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bob Ray. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was 
big sort of, I don't know if it was political or not, but it didn't matter. He was here. Yeah. And he, and he was willing to be on the Red Squirrel Road. And he right. was willing to be arrested for the cause and uh, protecting the, uh, the old growth red and white pine. Wow. And, and it's interesting, too, because I think, you know, the next big fight is going to be the Solus Road, the Twinkle, Twinkle Lake, the road that uh, they call it the Turner Road. So yeah. they're sort of, people consider it an illegal road. I don't know what the, the legality of it is. You know, PJ at Friends at Tomogamy's, he's knee deep in it right now with mm -hmm. his lawyers and court injunctions and that sort of thing. But on the other side of it, you know, you also feel like, you know, the area needs some industry and, and how do you, mm -hmm. you know, go between the two and make sure people can eat. So it's a, it's a tough position to take a lot of the time because a lot of my friends are, are uh, up here are in those industries as well. So you, yeah, yeah. you kind of, like, uh, I don't know. We almost sold a Friends of Tomogamy map to a guy from ACOM who are doing the forest, uh, oh, yeah. the forest, uh, the Eagle Lake yep. uh, cut yeah. up there. And he picked up, this is a great map. Who made this map? I'm going to buy this map. I'm like, oh, that's a Friends of Tomogamy map. <laughs> yeah. How ironic would it be if you bought that? He's like, he puts it back down. He wouldn't buy it. And there have been past years where um, the friction yeah. shall we call it, has been intense. You know, we used to, when I was running uh, canoe trips for the uh, Tomogamy Wilderness Center, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I said Tomogamy Canoe Company earlier. I didn't mean that that's John's canoe making company. Uh, uh, no, I meant the Tomogamy Wilderness Center is the, is the place that I, that I actually ran and operated and we ran trips. And we would do the Tomogamy River and come out at Field, a little town, and the entire population of field would circle us in the parking lot and red, like, looking like they were going to lynch mob us. Oh, man. And we've had, we've come out with, and there were many years where tires would be slashed because you'd leave a pickup vehicle there and yeah. the paddle the canoes down and someone would leave a, a vehicle there. We had to stop leaving vehicles there for, so you've got people coming off of canoe trips. You might have somebody who's injured badly and needs quickly to get to a hospital or something like that. And the, the, their, their vehicles, yeah, uh, the yeah. tires slashed. We were cornered in the, in the, in the restaurant there uh, by the town's residents. Again, making, you know, they were just making the assumption that anybody with a paddle in their hand and a, ba and a bandana on their head and a canoe yeah. on their car must be, you know, uh, a representative of the people who are trying to put them out of work, right. you know, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, it could be anybody going down the river. Um, but it, it's, it's uh, there was a lot of friction, mm -hmm. um, mostly through truthfully told to, to just um, um, unfortunate ignorance, you know, miscommunication, people yeah. not really knowing what was going on. And it's, yeah. it's interesting too, because, you know, there's been economic studies done uh, with regards to uh, the Wakimika Triangle, which was the sort of the flashpoint, I believe, uh, of the extension of the Red Squirrel Road. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the uh, economic input of that, of the area, uh, the jobs that it would have created and the length of time, uh, that it would have created economic development in the town, it pales in comparison to the tourism that that actual area brings to the town over the 30-year period that it's been standing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you look at greed, because at, at the end of the day, it's mostly about greed, um, I think there's a strong case that says the greediest thing you could do for the, the, the best lifestyle and economic development of the area is what uh, that whole back yard behind us offers. And I don't think a lot of people look at it. Politically, they certainly don't look at it. When they talk about jobs, jobs, jobs in the last election, they're really only talking about, you know, 10 jobs um, for some people that are unemployed that want to work. You know, they should work. They want to work and, and they're good people. But we're not talking about uh, a situation where we're trying to find jobs for, you know, 25,000 people because mm -hmm. we're this hugely depressed society. It's a small town. Mm -hmm. It's a small number of people that, that need work. 
And there's a huge opportunity. And it's like what Les was saying earlier. I, I you know, I started paddling here with my wife, Karen. Uh, she grew up paddling here as well. And in the 80s, if you did the Diamond Obabica this weekend, uh, you'd go by 25 groups. You'd be racing for campsites. Yeah. And we've had groups this week that have come back from doing the Diamond Obabica saying they haven't seen anyone on it. And that's nice. unbelievable. And yeah. if you read Hap's books, uh, he talks about the shoulder seasons and do that, do those trips at this time of year because they're busy. Everything is wide open right now. Mm -hmm. You can do any of those trips in there that would traditionally be a busy trip. For some reason, you know, you're good to go right now. So you know, and the, and the beauty yeah. of wanting to pack it back in again and have lots of people here, mm -hmm. go back out there and look, you still don't see anything but footprints. You don't see, yeah. it's not like, there were so many tourists in the 80s. Look at the damage that was... <laughs> no, because mm -hmm. it's canoeing, mm -hmm. you know, tourism. And dare I say it, uh, uh, maybe with a, maybe the odd exception to the rule, there is no damage done. Mm -hmm. It just carries on. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, you know, what a renewable resource, if you will, using a cliche. I mean, it just carries on. The damage doesn't get done because, you know, a paddle stroke in the water doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Well, being a good steward and a caretaker, too, is part of the culture, right? The paddling culture. Supposed to be. Yeah. It's supposed to be. You know, you try to, and that's the thing too, like the camps, you know, we used to try to teach a lot of that stuff. Uh, for example, when we would take kids out, we always took out one big empty canoe pack. Mm -hmm. Why? For garbage. Mm -hmm. Right. It always came back full. Yeah. And most of the time, people are going to hate me for this, most of the time, it was not canoeists' garbage that we were bringing back. It would be, well, generally speaking, it would be anglers who left behind propane bottles yeah. and things yeah. like that. Oh, and yeah. the irony is that they're there in a freaking motorboat yeah. and, and going to a car when carrying stuff out would be easy. We're there in our little canoes and our yeah. little group of kids from Etobicoke, you know, on our four-day trip with these 13-year-olds. And we're bringing out a canoe pack full of garbage. It was our mandate every time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely a soft imprint upon th the land. I'm speaking so poetically now, but that's what canoeing is, man. It's, yeah. you know, you can't interact with the land profoundly um, uh, as well as you can when you canoe, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. And, and to your point about garbage on websites, uh, websites, on yeah, campsites. Yeah, that too. No, but a lot of garbage right on websites. <laughs> you can tell where my brain has been <laughs> recently. Yeah. Um, up in Kokoko, there's yeah. there's been a lot of people saying, ah, oh, the campsites are, are messy. And I've been up there, and it, it's not canoe garbage. It's things like bed springs and mm -hmm. motors and weird. just weird stuff that people dump there. Yep. It's trash. Yeah. And you'd never you'd never paddle it's that crazy. stuff in just to, to get rid of it. So, But if you have a big motorboat yeah. and you just want to get it out of the porch, yeah. you know, yeah. let's boat it across over there Jeez. sort of, sort of yeah. thing. You know, you're going fishing there next weekend, aren't you? Yeah, okay, yeah. well... Take the bed spring with you. Yeah. You know, yeah. take the fridge with you. Yeah, exactly. It's and bizarre. It's super bizarre, yeah. yeah. I don't think that happens anymore, but I think that, that yes, it does. I think it does. I think it still does. I, I yeah. you know, yeah, I, I know a dirt road that you couldn't get access to. Recently, there was access allowed to it because someone wants to sell a property that's up there. So the, the gate was opened up. And in five years, there's three dumps up there now. Unreal. And, Bed springs, and, and it's fridges, not like there's, there aren't dumps that they can take it to either. You know? I know. That's, <laughs> yeah. But it's the, it's, yeah, there's yeah. a different, it's, a weird, it's a different mentality. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah, there's a different mentality certainly with, with canoeists. So it's not to say that canoeists are the be all and end all of for, forest stewardship, stewardship or anything like that. But by nature of the activity itself, you mm -hmm. can't be a massive polluter because you got to dip your cup mm -hmm. in the same water and, and, you know, drink it. Exactly. 
I mean, that freak, well, what do you mean talk? You don't drink the water up there. Yes, you can actually drink the water here. <laughs> you can do that. Mm -hmm. But not if there's a lot of garbage yeah. tossed in it. But, the, you know, and there's, there's, there certainly isn't with canoes. And it it's even goes, I mean, it goes down to the whole, you know, I, I'm a fan of just like, you know, you know, going straight at it if I was guiding and teaching. You know, the first discussion is how to shit in the woods. Yeah. You got to have it. You don't presume people yeah. know how to shit in the woods because most don't. No. Very fast in June. Yes. Yeah, you, you go very fast. Explain why. Go ahead. Well, I know because why. Because you don't want to. You don't want to leave that bum exposed. No, and because. <laughs> well, there's a lot of bugs. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, how, how many times have you been bitten on the nuts because oh, because by mosquitoes and black terrible. flies? Yeah. It's funny in uh, uh, Hap Wilson. I think it's in the Canoe Roots book or the first edition. He talks about how to take a crap in the woods. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like do it very quickly and mm. you wait That's till awesome. you can't hold it anymore, yeah. and you just go and then do it really quickly. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, or toughen uh, up and or, get used or, to the bugs. Or toughen up and just, yeah. yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something that happened on a personal yeah. level, on, on the, since we're tangenting to bug, bugs here for a minute. Yeah. Is that okay? Can we tangent? Or we do you want to say yeah, we, love, and we love bugs. Tangents. We're fly fishers, so hey. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> bugs. Bugs and tomogamy. I mean, for years, I, I, I ran kids groups. And one day, I was on, I can remember where I was. Uh, it was uh, Wasik Sina. And I was sitting on the campsite. And the bugs are bad. And um, I just noticed, I'm looking... And I'd been bitten all trip. There wasn't a single bite on, my, on me anywhere. And one some, after years of suffering and purposely remaining stoic so that the teenage kids didn't freak out because they take the lead from you, yeah. Yeah. right? So you're like, don't worry about it, guys. You're rubbing the mosquitoes on your arms. And you're like, ah, it's no big deal. You're staying stoic. Meanwhile, inside, you're dying. You're like, mosquitoes. I'm never <laughs> tripping in the spring again. Yeah. But you stay stoic. And years and years of doing that. And then uh, all of a sudden, I realized that my body actually developed an immunity. So to this day, yeah. I can be bitten by deer flies, black flies, and mosquitoes. And I get nothing. I get bitten. I get harassed. I hate it just like you do, but I don't go to bed with any bites on me. Whoa. And that actually changes a lot. You know, when you're yeah. not. I, can we I'll, take some samples and make after? I know. It's, it's like I'm a mutant. This is my superpower. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm a mutant. No. The more you do it, though, your, your threshold for that sort of misery really goes up. So I know, True. like yep. myself, uh, you know, lots of tripping and, and uh, you don't react as much until this year. You can't. Me, actually. It's, this year. Uh, yeah. it, it's not mosquitoes or black flies. All of a sudden, with these horse flies, I'm just <sighs> welting up. It's I've never seen. And it was like the perfect storm this year because everything came late. So you had yeah. mosquitoes, yeah. black flies, horse flies, deer flies all at once just. Yes. On. We are not making a good case to get people canoeing up here right <laughs> yeah. now, are we? No, that's all. Oh, um, bugs are gone now. Actually, July. everybody, we're only talking about um, the <laughs> parking lot of <laughs> the only the parking the lot. grocery yeah. store. Not that's on, it. Not on a windy island. Yeah. <laughs> See, in the, it's funny because you know, in the in the old days, so to speak. We used to make jokes like that because we didn't want to tell too many people yeah. about our, our, our little secret of tomogamy, how beautiful it is. But it's changed. Now it's like, no, understand, you know, yeah, the bug season's there, but it, it finishes. And yeah. by God, when they're gone, you know, it's unbelievably beautiful. I mean, I still maintain like September is when I'm, you know, I yeah, just, yeah. Totally. if I'm here in September, I'm in heaven. Do you know what we're getting a lot of uh, inquiries of people that are tired of going to Algonquin and Killarney because of the crowds, though? Yep. So we get a, you know, almost every day there's a call for some, from someone that says, you know, I've, I've been going to Algonquin for 10 years and yeah. I'm tired of lining up for portages. Algonquin's and, busy, man. Or I can't get a, a campsite at Killarney because it, I wasn't on the phone Feb 1 when the, when yep. the site's, site reservation. But Eric, what, what happened? Because yeah. Tomogamy was always that other place you could go because of that. It's almost like these people that are saying that, it's like, it's like they didn't, where's tomogamy? You know, it's yeah. like, you don't know. Yeah. And these are people who might've been going to Algonquin or Clarny for years. They just don't seem to. So what happened? You know what? It's, it's a strange thing too, because 
you know, coming here in the 80s and 90s, it's like you said, uh, it seems after the Red Squirrel uh, uh, blockade and all that stuff, it kind of quieted down a little. And you thought that would have raised awareness for it. Um, right now, I think it's hard to compare this year to last year because of the fires. You, I remember you came in last mm-hmm. year at the height of the fire and mm-hmm. we couldn't talk you out of not going down to Wasp 16. We're like, oh, Les, uh, you know, it's all on fire down. He's like, I don't care, I'm going in. So, <laughs> and it was so, beautiful yeah, too. Yeah. I bet. On one spot we could we could see the 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 red the red glow yeah. and oh, the smoke. But we, we, you know, Eric and I looked over the map, checked yeah. the prevailing winds, where everything was, where it was going, and I knew we were going to be okay. But you could see it. What was really funny though, I was talking to Johnny after Les left, and you know, I go to Johnny, I go, well, if anyone's going to be okay in that situation, it's probably Les Stroud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not like we're sending out you know some uh, guy wearing leather shoes from Toronto. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, which happens. Which, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, oh yeah. it does happen. Yeah. That's I for bet. sure. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're only, you know, five-hour drive. And that was in rush hour last night. It took us about five hours and we stopped. That's yeah. not far from Toronto at all. Well, and but. this is my, my hence yeah. my, my curiosity or my, my maybe even frustration is, mm-hmm. you know, you're willing to go to Algonquin where it's quite busy. And don't give me, nobody start hating me oh, on no. me on this. Algonquin is phenomenal and yeah. it's beautiful and yeah. the canoeing is amazing there. By the way, the bugs are bad there too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and people go there or Killarney, same thing, amazing. But they're not coming to Tomogamy, and yeah, like I said, I'm, I lost, I threw away my purist card years ago. I want them here. Mm-hmm. I want them hiking the trails mm-hmm. and paddling the canoe routes and staying at the campsites because if they're here, they're seeing it, and if they're seeing it, they're falling in love with it, and they're falling in love with it. They're going to be part of the voice that wants to keep it alive and protect it. That's mm-hmm. that's where I come from. So yeah. in the two years that, that Karen and I have owned the business here, uh, and, and I worked as a guide here the year before that, we saw first timers come in and they say things to us now like, we will not consider going anywhere else because this is where we want to come. Mm-hmm. And once people have come here, uh, just like you guys, mm-hmm. yeah. you oh, know, yeah. when yeah, we first year. met and yeah. you guys come up, you're like, oh, this place is amazing. And mm-hmm. even though we didn't really catch any fish that time, that yeah. was kind of bizarre. But You fly fishing? Yeah, it was yeah. cold. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was the year when everything was like uh, cold and... Um, it was tough. Wa- it was just tough. Yeah. The sun oh, didn't come out the whole high. summer. So these are all the yeah. blaming things you're blaming it on? You know, it, would, it, would, it certainly doesn't come down to us. <laughs> it was so. the cold and weather <laughs> and, and the bugs and the thing. And I was the guy. I was the guy. So you you can blame the guy. We've come back. We've come back always blame the guy. Yeah, exactly. It's never the yeah, client's fault. Exactly. Every year since. But uh, it, you, you meet these people that have come here for the first time, and, and now they've done three or four trips. And we have, we have every year we have that one person mm-hmm. that comes uh, opening weekend, sort of, you know, first, second week of May. They do a trip. It's crazy. It's snowing. It's this, and then they come back in June, and then they do like three or four trips between July 1st and Ison, mm-hmm. and you meet those people, and then they become these crazy, different. Different people. hardcore canoe trippers that had never been here before, and never really even canoe trip. To see that happen is actually a really rewarding thing as yeah. an outfitter. So, what was it? So, I guess we we talked about the '80s being a really popular time, right, for tomogamy and um, and paddlers. Was it an influx of people paddling then um, that caused that, or or was it that people stopped coming? You know, was did something did something happen in the '90s to make it tomogamy <clears throat> less popular? Well, like, if I may, Eric. Um, um, I think in a bigger picture sense, um, I mean, it was the freaking internet. It was, it was these things It just went off. It's our little screens. It's the change of society. I think it was, I think it's a change. Well, yeah, but everybody's going to Algonquin. Yeah, but Algonquin's really close Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take that much to make Algonquin be super busy. It's not that big. There aren't that many routes, Mm -hmm. um, sort of thing. Um, so I, last time I was here, I, I, I flew and the pilot said, the canoeing's way off, like hardly anybody's canoeing, he said. Yeah. But he said, the fishing is way up. 
lots of people are fishing. So I don't, maybe, maybe Eric's got a different take on it or there's a buy take as well to this, but I think if there is another point to this, that at least part of the equation is also the way society is when it, and kids are, as far as wanting to outdoor adventure and canoe. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, what happened to the days of kids camp and yeah. that being a big thing, I, you know, it's parents, uh, oh man, let's get going on soccer moms. You know, I mean, cause, cause you know, just people who are so afraid to mm -hmm. let their kids out in the backyard, never mind out on a canoe trip where they're going to die. Yeah. Well, the, the camps, yeah. the, the canoe camps up here, like Wanapate mm -hmm. and Langskib, North Waters, Kiwaden, Camp Tamagami, um, Wabin, mm -hmm. uh, they're all thriving. Good. And, you know, we do, we do a lot of driving for Wanapate and, and their groups are full and they're going to crazy places. And so I think that the, the young generation of trippers is certainly there. I think we lost sort of a general, and I, it's probably my generation. I still feel like I'm introducing a lot of my friends to this. I'm, I'm sort of one of those people like, hey, it's your fault. come do what I do. <laughs> it's, you Eric's know, it's, it's Eric's fault. It's Eric's fault. It's my, like gen my generation's fault. But um, the, 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 I don't know if you call it the millennial generation or uh, the Gen Zen. Yeah, Gen Z. But, you know, that whole let's have experience over, over stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing a, 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 we have a young group and then we have those people 55 to 70. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that age group in between that seems to be missing. Hmm. So, you know, to your point before about what happened, it, it could be a generational thing. I think what happened to Tomogamy, though, the town seemed to just atrophy uh, in the 90s with the Milne-Sherman mine mm -hmm. closing down. And, and, you know, this used to be a town with four gas stations and a couple of taverns. And, and now, now, you know, it, you can't even find something to eat here after 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. Uh, the town is absolutely uh, desolate in the winter, and it's a, it's a winter wonderland out there too. You know, we we do winter groups, and yeah. and we have a great time, and and it's a, a beautiful <clears throat> time to come up here. But it just seems that the town, because it's 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 become so small, and the the uh, you know there's no there's really not that much to buy. And the so do, do you think that the vibrancy? So you, so what you're saying is the vibrancy of the town is directly connected to. Uh, the lack of interest in the area on the adventurous side? Potentially. I'm, you know, I'm sort of trying to, f to figure out, like you, what, what went down. And, and the supermarket closes in the winter now, closes uh, Thanksgiving weekend, opens up uh, May 2-4 weekend. So um, what do you do in a town where there's no supermarket if you if you want to go do stuff? It's just there's nothing to... Yeah. It's hard to, to, to get your, your ducks in, in order, mm -hmm. ducks in a row. So... Um, the town is, is not the town it was when I first started coming here. Mm -hmm. so. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I used to play yeah. in the restaurants and perform, yeah. you know, I remember dressing up as a mummy and playing in the busy bee for Halloween kind yeah. of thing, you know, and the busy, <laughs> busy bee, bee was a thing. You know? it, it was such a thing. It was a big thing. It was yeah. a, it was actually kind of infamous, you know, yeah. around the busy bee. The busy, well, there you go. Yeah. See, the busy yeah. bee is a restaurant that, right in the mm -hmm. middle of town. I mean, it's just a restaurant. Yeah. Nothing more. It just happened to be right in the middle of town and made really good grilled cheeses. You know, it was, <laughs> it, it, it was just the busy, I think it was the name. You had to stop at the busy bee. It was maybe good timing. You know, if you mm -hmm. come from New Liskert or you've come from Latchford or you've come from uh, Cochrane or someplace, the busy bee was a good timing because then the rest of the drive is kind of like a straight shoot through to North Bay if you're headed south. Yeah. So I think the busy bee, yeah, it was definitely a focal point. And I see, you know, your point. I just don't know how much of it has to do with canoeists and, and trippers because, um, you know, for, for the gang that's coming from Toronto, you know, 
they were always there was always a disconnect between the 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 southern adventurer coming to paddle a canoe trip in Tomogamy and the the local towns yeah, people definitely. for sure. I mean, I live I lived here, and uh, there seemed to be a disconnect. I, I think I see what you're saying. Maybe it's just a matter of you know one thing is leading to the other. For one thing, if this place was still packed with canoe trippers there would be more businesses open. Yeah, I was right? just about more, to say, I'm so, no economist, but maybe that's a way. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't even think it's chicken and egg. I, I, I think, yeah. uh, but it's really back to a case in Eric's point in the beginning is that that the economic thrivability, if you will, mm -hmm. that can be here because of the backyard can come from people coming here, right? Yeah. Tourism, people coming to paddle a canoe and to fish and to hunt and For to sure. hike. Not a lot of hiking, but you know, um, that can drive things. And I'm going to digress for a second. That, the, the, the local townspeople, if you will, in a, in a hundred thousand towns around everywhere in the world, <clears throat> there's always the, the battle over, well, we just want the mine. We just want the thing, right? So if you take a, a cue from, um, oh man, it starts with an L. Uh, it's, it's the name of the, like, it's like a prison, the prison name uh, in Leavenworth. Thank you. In Leavenworth, in Leavenworth, Washington. Mm -hmm. If you take a cue from Leavenworth, Washington, they were in this position. I remember we're, we're now we're actually we're opening a raw nerve for me because I remember arguing with people in the, you know, the town council and that in Tomogamy trying to get things to really roll. And it was a freaking battleground just to get, you know, you want to bring more people here to this stuff. And they were just Nothing like- Nothing has changed less. Right. It's like, no, we want, we want the mine. Yeah. We want the mine. Yeah. We want the mine. It was just, yeah, just That's put on it. the record, and you know there was no. Well, Leavenworth was in that same position, but whoever the charismatic—I bet you it was one charismatic individual. Usually, that's what it takes. Whoever this person was, mm -hmm. whatever happened in those board meetings, the, that person or those three people—that's what it comes down to. With that idea, won the day, and Leavenworth said, "Look it, we look mm -hmm. like Bavaria. Yeah. Let's turn Bav let's turn Leavenworth into a Bavarian town." Now, you have worked for the mine for the last 23 years. You're thinking, you freaking snowflake hip, get out of my tent. That's what you're thinking, right? Yeah. Well, they won the day. Leavenworth now has, I'm, I'm just gonna horribly misquote this, I believe over 16 million visitors. It's a freaking paradise there. You, do, you, you come down the town, the entire town looks like you stepped into a Bavaria. Whoa. Every storefront has to, including really? Starbucks, has yeah. to be built like right. a Bavarian front. Uh, the, the building <laughs> structure, the whole thing, the, all the lights and everything. Yeah. Everybody goes there now just pre-Christmas. Uh, uh, pre yeah. And it is a paradise and they are printing money. That's a license yeah. to print money. I remember that with Tomogamy saying, saying how we started this conversation. Do you guys not realize mm -hmm. how amazing Tomogamy is as a natural environment? It's, I apologize, better than Algonquin. It's yeah. better than Clarity. It's better than all these. It's, it is the epitome yeah. of no, wilderness it, adventure travel it, in Ontario. It, it, yeah. Totally. And you know, I've had the same conversation with it, with a few people on council and the mayor. And I said, you know, cause when, when the election was, they'd, they'd come in and say, hey, well, what do you think? What, 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 is, what do you think is best for the town? I said, well, it starts with sort of understanding the asset and what is the asset. Right. And the asset is the, the, the backcountry. Yeah. And Tomogamy, you know, if left to its own, own devices, it, it thinks that it, it's more of like a would be a mini Timmins or its end goal would be like a Timmins. To, to, to grow into something like that, where I think the town has much more in common with, with a place like Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Or something Eli, like Minnesota. That. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. you just, 
that's that's the direction it should go in. That's the most sustainable direction. That's the greediest direction. Mm. That's yeah. the, that's the direction that we you don't have to sit there and watch uh, the price of gold and see if the extraction method that we have uh, warrants pulling it out of the ground if yeah. it drops below seventeen hundred dollars yeah. an ounce. You know, you look at all these towns. Uh, yeah. You show me a town that's been that's been better left better off after extractive resource yeah. uh, uh, industries, and you know, I, I don't think that exists. Well, so. there's a place called uh, uh, Willow Creek in uh, California, yeah. and they embraced something. So I'm we're saying here about tomogamy embracing mm-hmm. outdoor adventure. We'll just we'll just say when I say outdoor adventure, I mean fishing, hunting, mm-hmm. paddling, you know, photography, all, yeah. Yeah. all the whole nine years. Willow Creek. You know what they embrace? Their Bigfoot lore. Mm. It's the town to go if you like Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. They have a mural on the side of a building that's massive that is all the, the, the logging from the past century and all the stuff. And if you look, there's a few Bigfoot in there, you know, <laughs> oh, working yeah. with the loggers. They embraced it. The yeah. museum is there, the whole thing. And as a result, that's their attraction. they have the people coming. Yeah. People go there just to pose with the damn yeah. big, Bigfoot statue. Yeah. Yeah. We have so much more. Than that, although we have Bigfoot too, we have so much more than than, than that when it comes to, as I said, um, look at if you live in Germany mm-hmm. or Scandinavia or, or UK, you dream uh, of they, people from there still dream of the Canadian wilderness. Yeah. They are still fascinated. Oh, yeah. The older generation, the, the the Jack London books, the younger generation, the mm-hmm. you know watching Survivor Man and watching yeah. Ray Mears, you know, and they come over here and they uh, they don't have forests like we have, and tomogamy is the best case. It's the best example for, for uh, people from other countries. Yeah. So. You know, we, we get German and, and British clients and they're blown away when yeah. they see it. It's, it's, Always as, it's as advertised. Yep. You know, yeah. Yes, as advertised, exactly. Yeah. We're not, you know, and, and look, um, yeah, I, you know, I've seen so much territory in Canada and I've canoed all of it. Yeah. But you just, as we started off saying, you know, I can't over I can't overstate that. It's yeah. just, there's no canoeable waterways like Tomogamy, Ontario, uh, anywhere on the planet. Well, the book yeah. says it's the largest system of interconnected canoe routes in the world. There you go. So, it's crazy, uh, if man. you'll if you'll take that at its word, mm-hmm. um, you know, less is 100% right. And apparently, uh, it also says on Wikipedia that it's the largest undeveloped continuous freshwater shoreline in the world. And you say, uh, Lake Tomogamy. Yeah. yeah. So you say, what about Lake Superior? Well, you know, it really doesn't go more than a couple hundred kilometers mm-hmm. without uh, mm-hmm. without some sort of industry on it. Well, you know, there's six cottages on the mainland of Lake Tomogamy in town. And then if you w- walk that shoreline all the way back to town, all the way up to Whitefish Bay and down to Beijing and all those areas, you will not step on a single piece of industry, cottage, building structure, anything. And it, they're so serious about that that they evicted Project Canoe. Uh, from the mainland down by down uh, uh, near the hub, and uh, uh, you know, that's yeah. that's a pretty serious thing to do because that mm-hmm. was a, a pretty meaningful organization to a lot of people. But they want to keep that that shoreline undeveloped, and that also makes uh, canoeing through a fairly populated region. I mean, Tomogamy mm-hmm. has uh, 1,300 islands. On those 1,300 Jeez. islands, 600 of them have cottages, and you can still paddle through Lake Tomogamy and feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, when we go on trips here, our first objective is to get off Lake Tomogamy. And mm-hmm. so the second you're off Lake Tomogamy... Even um, more so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're so. just in it. And, you know, the, the commentary, it, 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 you, you can just kind of hear someone listening who's, like, loves fly fishing and likes your podcast and going, bunch of tree-hugging, yeah. you know, paddling hippie freaks. Listen, man. Well, you know, the thing is, it's... It, 
it's not, that's not it. We're not a bunch of tree hugging, you know, greeny, earthy, hippie freaks. Maybe a bit, but that's not it. (laughs) Um, It's just that life and society have to be progressive. They have to move. You can't just keep doing something that's wrong Mm -hmm. because it was tradition. You know, at some point you have to look at something and go, hey man, I'm not going to disrespect my grandfather's role in this. He didn't know it's what it is, but we've reached the end of that now. That era is, you know, so you start, you said something about, you know, uh, you know, people need jobs, but the jobs don't have to be in the mind. We like, sorry if that's your case, but you've got to think out of the box. So you've got to think beyond you know, having tunnel vision and going, well, the only job we want is a mine job or yeah. something, or the only job we want is forestry. And I'm not suggesting we don't need mining and forestry. I live in a house. I drive a car. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. be a hypocrite. Life is full. It, it, life is conflict. Um, but by the same token, you do have to look at our extraction mm-hmm. and our, our resources and where we get them and how we get them. And when society and, and, and knowledge deems it's time to stop, then you're going to need to get a different job. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, look at, if I was a canoe guide and I don't, I can't guide anymore <clears throat> here anymore because nobody's coming canoeing, then I need to get a different job. Or should I just piss and moan and whine because yeah. I don't have my job? You can't sell anymore. buggy yeah, whips exactly. in the car era. <laughs> I mean, it's a great point. You know, right. Exactly. We, good, good we have a fortuitous visitor who just walked through the door. We have PJ Justison who just came in here, the president of friends of Tomogamy. Hey PJ. Yeah. So, Oh, speaking of tree hugging hippies. Yeah. Well, he would he would be the wealth of information on stats and all that sort of stuff. So he he knows what he's talking about. Man, that's some really amazing discussion, guys. Like you split our minds in half. I think (laughs) you know, we're just starting to scratch. I think think, you know, (laughs) Eric Eric represents, you know, absolutely the, the, the newer generation of people that are here. And for 15 years before Eric got here, I was here Mm -hmm. doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. The exact same things. Um, so yeah, between the two of us, we watched this thing. Um, but it saddens me to hear that some of the same old arguments are even still considered. Yeah. And it saddens me that the campsites are wide open and you don't have to rush into rush to them. Um, but I was happy to hear that lots of people are fishing. Yeah. Good. I don't want them to fish out lakes, but I, yeah. you know, that's all. The yeah, fishing then, is amazing. Yeah, and and that's, phenomenal. uh, yeah. you know, you don't you don't even see that much fishing traffic as well. You know, we 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 live on the yeah. island down the northeast arm, Karen and I, with our kids, and and we're in a hundred and eighty feet of water out in the middle of the channel there. And you know, once or twice a summer, you see someone go by down rigging. Yeah, so rare. Mm-hmm. And it's loaded with lake trout through there. And, it's a big and lake. It's yeah, a big lake. Huge um, walleye. Thirty yeah. inch walleye. Which lake are you on? Tomogamy. Uh, I'm on Rabbit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I knew that actually. Yeah. And I, I have so. Dan Riggers on my boats actually on my boat. I'll be using it on Wednesday. You know oh, what I'll say? The Rabbit Castles of Bashkong, Snake Island. I love fishing over there. It is amazing. It is. I, I would I would fish over there over Lake Tomogamy. Oh, it's phenomenal. And yeah. you know what? I was there, let's say, uh, busiest weekend of the year, yeah. you know, August 1st, long weekend yeah. last year. I saw one boat. Yeah. One. <laughs> That's All crazy. weekend, one boat in a lake that is that a couple of years ago caught uh, world record northern pike off by two inches. You know, has lake trout as long as as half the size of your canoe. There's every species really, over there. <clears throat> Forty nine inches. Yeah. yeah, that's big. And Lorraine, beautiful fishing in Lorraine. If you've been in, yes, I've been yeah. in Lorraine. Yeah, yeah. This is the, again, you know, this is the thing: fishing, uh, hunting. Now, 
these things have their limit limits and hopefully the ministry knows how to keep the limits in check and do the right thing when it comes to fishing and what lakes are hit and what aren't hit but it's a you know that's certainly a renewable resource and and the the fish when they're left alone they come back and same thing with hunting there was once upon a time it looked like vietnam up here you yeah. came up here in hunting season and oh my god you couldn't you couldn't swing a cat and not hit a, a, an orange vest right? yeah. so um Thankfully, you know, things are supposedly held in check that way, right. but the reality is the hunting, the fishing, regardless of your sensibilities in those in those fields, mm -hmm. the canoeing, you know, <laughs> this is still Tomogamy, Ontario. For and, and and I would say for I was just about to say, you know, you know, with all its warts, there are no warts here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just a beautiful, you know, just it's a, a beautiful canvas, place. Yeah. Um you dabble in a little bit of fly fishing, eh, Les? Mm-hmm. Um, do you fly fish up here ever? And do you have any, uh, do you have any favorite spots? Around? First of all, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get that. <laughs> so do um, <laughs> according to, according to my fly fishing friends, like one buddy who can say it, you suck. <laughs> Shut up, Bruce. Shut up. <laughs> but I've caught, but I have caught fish. Yeah. Right on. Fly fishing. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually a bit of a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a neophyte. I'm a newbie, but yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh my God. What it did for me was it gave, sounds pathetic, but it gave me something to do while fishing. Yeah, yeah, you know it's yeah. so active. Yeah, and you start you really plan out your plan of attack, and yeah. all of a sudden you're the mind of the fly. Yeah, yeah. you know if I was a fly, I would want to land over there. You know, yeah. <clears throat> you're doing all this, which you don't get to do when you're when you're puttering along and trolling, mm -hmm. which I also love too. But mm -hmm. no, I love fly fishing. It's it's a it's a powerful way to feel certainly more more mentally active while you fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know. It's it's an amazing place to fly fish. Yeah, the lady, is it? the lady Evelyn system. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Is without a doubt, when you get deep into it, it's got to be one of the best places for brook trout. trout, trout. In the world. <laughs> we we did an episode with the new fly fisher last year, yeah. and uh, we were out. We really fished for three days, and we caught over fifty brookies. Nice, all on dry flies. Wow. So it was it was like movie style. You know, they'd hit the fly, fly out of the yeah. Yeah. out of the water, and, and nice. And uh, they were they were starving. It was amazing. And no one goes there and puts on waders and throws flies. You get the occasional people that go through and yeah. toss like meps aglias yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Canoe trippers, but canoe trippers don't really fish. They don't because they're yeah. always moving. So they're like it, any catch. Anytime you catch a fish when you're on a canoe trip, it's sort of a fortuitous catch because you're like, oh, I'm going to fish for the next 10 minutes. If they stop biting, I'm going to move on. Yeah. And that's when you catch a fish. You fish for 10 minutes a day. When we focused on that river where mm -hmm. we fished it for 10 hours each day, um, it was it was it's the best day of, days of fishing I've ever had. And you are in waist deep rapids with your waders on and you're tossing over to the other eddy and drifting it across the the, yeah. the current. And it, it's... It's how it's supposed to be. It's yep. what you're looking for when you're fly fishing. And and those guys, uh, Mark and and Jeremy, who came to, to film the show, they had just come from another place where they got shut out mm -hmm. and they couldn't do the episode. And they spend money on this stuff. So they were really nervous when we got up there. And, and they said, well, we were there last week with the SoFly guys and we did okay for yeah. half a day. Yeah. And we did. We caught you know, I don't six know, or something. Yeah, yeah like it was that. like half a day. Yeah. I said even Yoma caught a brook. Yeah, right. exactly. yeah. Caught one uh, of the biggest ones? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he did catch the biggest yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they're a little bit nervous. And that first stream, right away, we caught like four or five. And yeah. you can see their relief. Yeah. Oh, so because they need six fish for a show. Right, okay. Right. And every single cast, he's following you. Every, <laughs> yeah. Both of them. And, and we had other guys with cameras and stuff. Why do and they need six fish? I, that's kind of their, their formula, I guess. He said they need, we, so need six, we need six <laughs> fish on a show so we can do six different kind of 
things. And, and oh, we formula. had the six fish before two in the afternoon and, and you could see all of a sudden it was a little more chilled out and, mm-hmm. and then we just couldn't keep them off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was amazing. That's fishing in yeah. Tomogamy. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, really you're is. right. You, you can't fish in canoe at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you got to focus on one or one the other. And they're, yeah. one, they're nice sized brookies. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we go for the trico hatch on the upper credit and they're small, very small, delicate brookies. Beautiful. But here you're getting like 13, 14, 15 inch brookies. Nice. You know what I mean? So nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Um, well, we've got five more questions. We do five questions every show. Last before we, because I know you've got to get. Yeah, I got to go to sound check. So yeah, gotta go to sound check. perfect. He's got to go five rock and roll. Questions. Rock Mitchie's fish is five. Um, so the first question is, what is your favorite fish and why? Favorite fish to catch. Let's say to catch. Yeah. Favorite fish to catch. Pound for pound, the best fighting fish in the world is a smallmouth bass. There we go. Yep. Love the smallmouth bass. Maybe, but I'm going to say a tie between the smallmouth bass and and uh, northern pike, big mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah, a big northern pike, uh, although, but not one that wants to play log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big northern pike that's angry. Yeah, or any smallmouth bass. I had a smallmouth bass once dance on its uh, tail fin, all the way around the freaking aluminum boat. I it was like you couldn't have scripted it better. He was literally like, and you know you're moving like holy crap, and and around. And I just, it was unbelievable. Oh it, was like, it was a movie. So yeah, there you go. I love Northern Pike, man. Um, number two, if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, where would you go and why? Hmm. <clears throat> Guess I should say tomorrow, right? Um, <laughs> if I could fish anywhere. In the, yeah, you know, yeah. I have one thing I've never done. And it comes from the mystical stories from uh, my father and my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather ran a boat livery. Um, and he always talked about the massive musky that live in the Black River that flows down through Southern Ontario. So I don't know if they're still there. I don't know if it's even true, but I always wanted to put in a boat and just go the length of the river and fish for musky. I bet you they are. That black river looks river. amazing. Yes. You're driving over it, Highway it 7. It earns its place. name well, man. It's yeah. spooky oh, and yeah. black and dark. Yeah. And it is a cool and, one. Yeah. I've been wanting to fish Dude, that you one. didn't tell me there was musky when we passed by? I think that, I I don't know. Yeah, like you said. Well, say, my grandfather uh, ran this boat livery, uh, yeah. and he was. they were out of Gravenhurst and Aurelia. And I'll tell you a story. They had a, um, this is the story. Okay. They had a boathouse. This, this is old, old school, right? So we're talking 60s, yeah. 1960s. Mm. In the boathouse, they had a uh, 16-foot cedar strip and canvas canoes, right? That we, yeah. you know, because it's the 60s, right? Yeah. 16-foot cedar strip canvas canoes. Every single day, uh, they had a muskie come in and sit in the shade of the boathouse, which we know fish will do. They'll sit in the shade. Mm-hmm. All right. The muskie was half the length of the canoe. So not hard math to do. No. And every single day at five o'clock, it would breach off the point. They could sit there and go, about to breach, hunt. Come on. Uh, my grandmother's name was Marge. Marge, it's going to breach. And they'd, they'd sit and they'd yeah. watch. Jeez. So I don't know. Legend, story, myth, grandfather stuff, but sounded cool to me. Okay. Um, number three is what is your favorite or best fishing memory? So my grandfather is, no. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what it is? Um, yeah. It was, uh, we were in the, the Magnetowan River, Magnetowan River, yeah. and there's a lake up in there called Miner's Lake, which is probably, I think it's fished out now. But back in the day, this early 70s, nobody went there. You had to kind of portage with yeah. your aluminum canoe and, you know, six six guys carrying it. It was a pain in the butt. But coming out of the the, the, um, the meandering um, narrows, as we call it, you know, the narrows, we're gonna, uh, once we get in the narrows, the narrows are just the meandering creek at the end of the lake, very swampy and weedy. 
And, uh, but I kept trolling. I would troll through the narrows and you're expecting to hook a weed. And I hooked a massive channel cat. Oh, nice. And I was a kid, yeah. you know, and when I caught it, you know, so at the time and for many, many years, that was the biggest fish I'd ever caught. I, I it was huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, if people aren't familiar with channel cats, I, I don't know. They still around. Oh I yeah. Mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they are. Yeah. They're a surprising fish to catch, you know, um, cause you think catfish, you think everything else, nobody ever thinks channel cats, but we would fish for the channel cat going through that, through the, through the channel. Yeah. And yeah, that's my favorite is I'll never forget that because it vindicated me as a kid when all the adult men around you are catching fish and you're a kid and you're yeah. not doing so well and you get teary because you didn't catch you know, you know, this one, this one kind of saved my, my psychology sort of somehow. Totally. As a fisherman. <laughs> That's a big, cool fish, man. Nothing wrong with catfish. Um, number four is why do you fish? Why fish at all? What do you get out of it? Oh, I'm going to say it was put in me as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I started off earlier with a little bit of sob story about never having a mentor or guidance or anything like that in life. And that remains true. But the, you know, my family is very dysfunctional uh, growing up. And the only thing that I even had with my dad, not that we did it much together, mm -hmm. was fishing, you know, because his family, everybody fished. We went yeah. to Bracebridge, Ontario, everybody fished. And it was the same thing it was the 70s. You fish, mm -hmm. you play horseshoes and drink beer, you barbecue hot dogs, you play cards and and drink something else at night. Yeah. And then you, you know, rinse and repeat the next day. But the, of course, being a kid, you only really did the fishing in the horseshoe. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe some cards. So the fishing, you know, uh, yeah. it, um, it, it got in me as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, then I was away from it and then I had kids. Yeah. And it, so I wrote an article recently about this. Here's the thing. Fishing is, and has always been this one true activity that a, and this was for Father's Day, that a father and a child, boy or girl, can do, and for the most part, do on an equal level. Mm -hmm. I just finished a Father's Day trip, fishing trip, with my son, fishing for Chinook salmon and halibut off the coast of Alaska and Haida Gwaii. And um, it, you truly, as a father, you know, if I'm fishing with you guys, I want you guys to do really well. Mm -hmm but not as well as me, right? It's like, it's oh yeah, yeah. Got a, yeah, Mitch caught a good one, but you know, mine's a pound bigger. I, so that's the way it is, Mitch. That's the way it goes. You know, you want, you want, right? So you, you hope the best for your buddies, but in the end, you want to, you really want to. Totally. And if they have the bigger one, you really feel sorry for yourself, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. But when, you, when a father fishes with their kids, it's the one time you truly, honestly, want them to do better than you. Like mm -hmm. my son, so my son landed what they call a tie, and uh, which put him in the 30 pound and above uh, mark. He got a 32 pound Chinook salmon. My biggest Chinook salmon today is 25 pounds. Yeah. He blew me away and boy was his chef, chest puffed up and he <laughs> knew it and he doesn't forget to remind me about it. And you know, I, I gotta say, man, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, like I couldn't have wanted it to be any yeah. better than that, you know, as he beat me, he beat his dad at fishing. Yeah. And I love that. So the father, children thing, I, my daughter as well, uh, you know, it's it's a connection that, well, no, you can do that in so many, not really. You know, when my 16 year old kid wants to play hockey with me, I'm going to kick his ass on the ice, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever physical pursuit you might do. You're yeah. going to kick your kid's ass until they're <laughs> 20 anyway. Right. Just cause the way it is, you know, um, my, my son does MMA now, you know, and hey, maybe he could kick my ass now. I'm not sure right. if he's listening to this, he'll, he'll say, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so there's that, but fishing, 
Fishing is a great equalizer. Yeah. You know, you teach your kid the proper skill sets, which is something my dad did not do. Mm -hmm. uh, then they're on the same level as you. And my son proved it this last Father's Day. So some nice fish. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I love that answer. It's amazing. It's number five. Answer. Number five. The last of Mitchie's Fishies Five is what fly pattern or fishing lure represents you best and why? So if you were a fly or a lure, what would you be? Sorry, fly fisherman, but I have to go with lure only because that's 95% of my fishing experience. As I said, I'm a yeah. new fly fisherman, yeah. Yeah. brand new and loving it. And I'm, I'm actually in many ways never looking back because, yeah. you know, I've talked to many people who catch northern pike on fly fishing. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, yeah. You know, you only ever think of brookies. You only ever think of trout. And then I'm saying, oh, shoot, we fish for northern pike all the time. That's all we use. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like this. All right. So anyway, um, but that said, I am, you know. You know, it's the, uh, oh. Northern Pike, just showing, <laughs> just showing me a picture of a beautiful North. Oh, no, wait a minute. Like wait a minute. Sorry, let me let me respond again. Yeah, yeah. that's a cute one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so right. Nicely. That was bait, right? <laughs> it's on a big streamer. Flip. I have, yeah. I, now my son has not beat me in the Northern Pike realm. And, yeah. And I have to say one time we were fishing and it was one of those things where every fish he caught, I caught the next one and it was bigger. Yeah. All, you know, when that happens, <laughs> yeah. I'll be long. He's got his. Two pounds bigger, two yeah. inch longer. Next thing around, he's got a bigger one. And you got, <laughs> yours is bigger. No, I did that to him um, with Northern Pike one time. Uh, what was the question again? Lure, lure. represents oh, you. What lure? The lure represents me. Um, well, I, I, I'm not going to try and be metaphorical, so I'll be just more nostalgic. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm sorry. This is so boring. Um, but man, I grew up. It was just what you, it's just what over and over again, the thing that caught the, lar yeah. the, the largemouth bass was my map spinner. Yeah, you know, I had to, I had to say it. I don't know if you. By the way, I thought you were going to say five of diamonds. Well, no, I never had luck with the five of diamonds. No I, one does. I hated it. <laughs> no, um, it's the worst the, lure out there. But the MEP spinner. <laughs> yeah. And by the yeah. way, um, uh, I, I wish I could tell the story like he did, or even remember it, so I won't attempt to. But uh, Terry O'Reilly on the on the uh, Under the Influence podcast tells the story of the beginning of how MEPs happened. Oh. So you so so find that one out. It's yeah. it's got to do with brands. It's one of his shows on branding. Uh, it, I think it was like accidental brands. It's called something like that. He he was the Maps guy. Uh, was you know what you know what set him off? Uh, it was something that it, it, it appeared on the cover of Life magazine. Yeah. Something about you know the best lure out there, but it was with a picture of Marilyn Monroe in her peak. Oh. And that issue has sold more copies than any other issue in history. I think it was life. Again, I'm paraphrasing yeah. this horribly. But if you go on Terry O'Reilly's uh, Under the Influence, listen to his story of how, how the MEPS spinner came to be. I, I just brutalized the story. A few spoiler alerts there, but he just tells it brilliantly and oh, it's a awesome, wonderful yeah. story to listen to. Yeah, it's a great podcast too, yeah. Absolutely. That's amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for those five questions. I think the, the last thing would be um, if you want to leave people with with something to inspire them about tomogamy, like if some parting words about tomogamy, we talk about trying to get people inspired and get them out here, drive the five hours up here from Toronto or or whatever to paddle again and explore explore the wilderness. What what is what would you tell them? Well, look, first of all, I, I, I often do like to point out that, you know, you don't have to be survivor man. You don't have to go to Peru or even tomogamy to get in touch with nature. You can get in touch with nature in the, the little creek uh, underneath the QEW in behind Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Yep. That's where I used to go. You know, when I was a cityite, that's where I went, you know, or a cityite as we, as we call <laughs> it. Uh, but the point being that in nature, you 
become stronger, you heal faster, you are sharper-witted, your, your mental faculties come into play. This is not new ageism, this is science speaking right now. You know, science has shown that this is ex exactly what happens. You know, forget uh, aromatherapy, stand in a forest and forest bathe and let a billion combinations of aromas bathe you yep. and heal you and change you. Never mind the little bottle of the tincture, nothing that I have anything against that, it's fine, but you know what? You get into the forest. So you can do that in the city. That is correct. You can do it at your local park. I highly promote that. But when there are places on this planet that just scream out perfection, mm -hmm. uh, tomogamy is in that list. It's one of them. Um, and sadly, there aren't as many as there used to be. And many of them are under threat. Um, so if you really want to, quote unquote, connect with nature and really and truly experience nature at that, yes, that pristine with a capital P, mm -hmm. uh, imagery and feeling and ambiance. It's, it's, it's here. It's in tomogamy. This is why um, I, I bought a cottage here and still come here. This is why when I want a canoe, other than the odd excursion trip, like I'm going to do the mountain river next year, other than that, I come to tomogamy. It's not, it's not a place you can get tired of. Mm -hmm. and, so, and even if you don't want to believe the nature healing aspect, the funny part is it's not, it's, it's not up to you. Mm -hmm. It's doing it to you whether you whether you want it or not. Just yeah. being around these trees and and the thing is, Tomogamy is a crossover region. Here's the the thing that's really cool. Um, you know, you have the Northern Carolinian forest down in Toronto area. You have the Great Lakes forest that that, that comes up here. But in Tomogamy, after Tomogamy, you have the boreal forest. So mm -hmm. what is Tomogamy? Tomogamy is a Great Lakes forest, boreal forest crossover region, and so there are there are scenes of natural splendor and beauty and forest and trees that only exist yeah. in Tomogamy, Ontario. You go further north, you get up, you know, Latchford, and it's gone. Mm -hmm. You go further south towards North Bay, it's gone, it's over. You go west, you go east, it's gone, it's over. Tomogamy is a place that, that it, it absolutely is one of a kind. Mm -hmm. You know, the boreal forest you can experience in Siberia and all over and across Canada, and I love the boreal forest, but Tomogamy, this, this patch, you know, mm -hmm. large patch that we call tomogamy. That's it. It's one of a kind. And uh, that's what I would like to leave them with. So if you want to be healed by nature and experience nature, do it in a one of a kind place and go to tomogamy. Amazing. Here, here. And I'm, I don't even work for the tourism board. <laughs> I should get a check for if that. You need a job, <laughs> if you need a job, if you need a job, Les. Yeah, you know, I'll stand a, out front and wave a, people in. And there's a spot yeah. for you at Tomogamy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So instead of like, like standing in front of the pizza parlor, spinning the arrow, yeah, exactly, I'll have yeah. like a, a paddle attached to me. I'll be spinning the paddle this way for canoe tripping. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, maybe that's what it'll take. I don't yeah. know. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Les. My pleasure. Absolutely. I got to go do sound check for tonight's yeah. concert. That's yeah. amazing. Absolutely. Thanks. And Eric, thanks so much for having us in the shop again. Pleasure as always. And thank, thanks for letting me know how the fires were last year so yeah. I knew where to go. <laughs> so I, I, you didn't care. Well, you know what? <laughs> and I took newbies on that trip. Two yeah. people who'd never canoed before. Well, that's how you introduce people to yep. canoe tripping in Tomogamy. Yep, yep absolutely. Yep. Amazing. Nice. Well, thanks everybody at home for listening too. That's it for me, Mitch Yilma. Yeah, I'm out. And uh, take care. <laughs>